And Lord, I, I do ask this morning too for the word that you've given me, Lord, your, your word. I ask that you would um, pour your Holy Spirit into me, Lord, and that I would be able to speak as though speaking the very words of God. I pray for the hearers, Lord, that you would open up the ears of the listeners and use me for your glory, Lord, to see your kingdom expanded. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, the message is entitled, True or False? Speaking of prophets, we were speaking of prophets, weren't we? No, we weren't. Okay. We are almost at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So we've been going through this, I said a couple weeks ago, we've been going through this since 1984, and we're going to wrap it up this week. And then next week, my pastor, Daniel Brown, he's going to finish up the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, Kelly and Ira did a really good job tag-teaming on the two paths, the broad road that leads to destruction that many will enter through, and the narrow road that leads to life, and few will find it, it says. So that's kind of talking about personal choices and and the options that we have as individuals. Today, we're going to be talking about false prophets, and Jesus gives us a big warning here. And this is talking to everybody who is a believer in Jesus. This is a command in the same way that it's a commandment, um, you know, not to, to kill, not to steal, not to bear false witness, all the different things in the commandments, the 10, and all of the commandments that we find in the Beatitudes and throughout the Sermon on the Mount. You know, there's plenty, don't judge lest you be judged. You know, all the different commandments, this is the same. And he ends with this toward the the very end. He says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but they are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So what he's talking about here, he says, beware of false prophets. Now, throughout the entire Bible, over and over and over, there has been discussions about false prophets. This is nothing new. All through the Old Testament, Ezekiel had to deal with them, Jeremiah had to deal with them, Isaiah had to deal with them, and then all through the New Testament, false prophets. And I'm going to introduce you to some false prophets from today, some from just recent history. But the word for false prophets is uh, pseudoprophetes, which means a false prophet, or one who in God's name teaches what is false. Keep that in mind. This is in God's name. And it says in 1 John 4, Dear friends, don't believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You hear that? Don't believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. What does it say? There are what? Many false prophets in the world. So this is a summary of 1 John. 1 John is is an awesome book, kind of back toward the end of the New Testament. And and the three things that 1 John really talks about are, do you love the body of Christ? 
Do you live like Jesus? Do you live a Christ-like life? And do you believe that Jesus is God come in the flesh? That's basically what First John is talking about. So do you love the body of Christ? Again, I, I, I use this example. We are called the bride of Christ. And if you went up to a groom and said, I really like you, but your bride, oh, I cannot handle her. That's the same thing as saying, yeah, I mean, I love God, but I don't really like people. You cannot love the head of Christ without loving his body. Okay? And then it says, do you live a, a Christ-like life? Do you live according to what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and as a response to that? Not to earn his love, not to earn salvation, but as a response to that. And then the third thing, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God who came in the flesh and went to the cross? And so those are the three basic things. Those are the fruit. And if anybody comes to you with anything other than these things, anything other than Jesus, he's a false prophet or she's a false prophet. Prophet. How do you know? How can you tell? You know, there's a, there's a system in the bank to identify a counterfeit bill. I know this, a lot of you have heard this before, but, but instead of studying the counterfeits to try to identify them, they spend all of their time, the tellers identify the, the real money so that when something that's a counterfeit comes through, they can identify it immediately. So we're going to take a little poll this morning, okay? I want you to raise your hand if you think that the top one is fake. Is the top one the counterfeit? If you think the top one is, raise your hand. Okay. How many of you think the bottom one is, is the counterfeit? Okay, there's, so there's only 10 of you that are voting. Okay, how are we supposed to know? <laughs> You're so exhausted. Oh, that's a good answer. How many of you have no clue? Yeah, I, I couldn't tell. So apparently the one on the top is counterfeit and the one on the bottom is real. And now I did this little unscientific study on this, but, but there are apparently these watermarks, there are different, different colorings, different things that help you to be able to identify a real Benjamin from a fake one. And so in the same way, in order to identify false teaching or heretical teaching, you have to know what? The truth. You have to know the truth. You have to know what it says in the Bible because that is truth. Jesus says of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it says in John 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Right? So Jesus warns us, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. You know, I've always thought that this was, you know, they come disguised as a sheep. Really what this is talking about is the sheep's clothing is really what the shepherds wore. The shepherds were the ones that wore the sheep's clothing. So this is really talking about those who come and claim to be shepherds over people and claim to be those who are sent to care for and to nurture and to lead to healthy places and all of this. It's those people that are instead wolves and false teachers. They are wolves in 
sheep's clothing. So they act like shepherds. The difference between a true shepherd and a false shepherd is that a true shepherd wants to meet the needs. A true shepherd will feed and guide and lead and care for, whereas a fake or a ferocious wolf will devour and will steal from and will rob. Okay, that's the difference. Okay, so it says that inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Let's see the picture of the ferocious wolf. How would you like to meet that guy? This is, this is what it's talking about. So what do we know about wolves? Anybody? What do you know about wolves? They're ferocious. Yes. They travel in packs, which I, I had never thought of that before. They travel in packs. And if you see throughout the history of the Christian church, all kinds of different winds of doctrine that go through. You know, what's the latest, greatest thing? Back, I think it was, I don't know if it was the 80s or whatever, but they had like what they called the shepherding movement. And that was a group of people and you had to be what they said was accountable to your pastor. So essentially, everyone had to ask the pastor for permission to do all sorts of things. And, and they actually, anybody remember pagers? Remember that technology? So pagers are these little things that you would clip onto your belt or whatever. And then when someone would call you, their number would come up and then that meant you need to call them back. This is pre-cell phone. And so back then, you would have to page your pastor to ask him if you could change jobs or if you could date this specific person, or if you could um, buy a new house or whatever. It was just extremely micromanaging. And it was, it was really, it got to the point where it, it started to be really heretical and it started to really hurt people. And, there, and of course, typical enemy, much abuse came in. Spiritual abuse, emotional abuse, physical, sexual, all of it. And so that was just like, just terrible. So, again, there's all kinds of different waves of doctrine, but these prophets are all saying the same thing, essentially. There's a, a, the Bible talks about the new wind of doctrine that blows through, and we are supposed to be very careful and very cautious not to buy into that. And let me just say right here, if somebody comes to you and tells you, or some teacher or whatever says that they have some new insight and some new revelation, that is not true, because Ecclesiastes says there is nothing new under the sun. True prophecy means to, to reveal what has already been given to us, the truth. And I'm not saying that, that I don't believe that God speaks to us today. Because how do you have a relationship with someone if you never talk? It's difficult. What I'm saying is if somebody comes with you with something and they believe that they have a deeper insight, that the rest of mere mortals just can't, they are a false prophet. Okay, and there's been lots of them throughout my Christian life. I'm going to introduce you to a few of them later on. It says in 2 Peter 3, 17, I'm warning you ahead of time, dear friends, be on your guard so that you will not be carried away by the error of the wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is talking about growing in the grace. You know, when Jesus came and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He wasn't saying... Stop sinning, you bunch of scumbags. That's not what Jesus was saying. What he was saying was, change the way you think about this. You don't have to live under the letter of the law anymore. Now you can live under grace. 
as a response to his sacrifice on the cross. Jesus is talking about that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to complete it. Jesus Christ was coming to set us free from the law of sin and death. Okay, yeah, woo. And so it's saying to grow in the grace, in understanding grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to grow in our knowledge of him and the only way we can grow in our knowledge of him is how? Through the Bible. Reading the Bible. And, you know, listening to teachers that are talking about the Bible and leading you to Jesus. So I know somebody congratulated me after first service because they said that I offended each and every single person. So at some point, I may make you a little uncomfortable with some of the things that somebody said, yes, all the masochists, yes. So put on your steel toe boots because here we go. You probably won't be offended by these first few. Okay, these are just some false prophets. I spent way too much time on them for service. But Jim Jones, anybody remember Jim Jones? Okay, you just dated yourself. Okay, so he, <laughs> he was responsible for the death of 900 people who, have you guys heard the, the saying, don't drink the Kool-Aid? Yeah, it actually wasn't Kool-Aid. Apparently it was Flavor-Aid, but it was grape-flavored. And he put cyanide in it, 900 people, mass suicide. Okay, Jim Jones, 2 Peter 2 says, um, there will also be false prophets among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Okay, the next one is Rajneesh, who had a compound up in Oregon. And he, he said, "Why you can be a Christ. Why be a Christian? Let me be your death and resurrection. Nobody is a sinner. Even while you're in the darkest hole of your life, you are still divine. You cannot lose your divinity. I tell you, there's no need for salvation, and on and on and on. He denies sin. He denies heaven. He denies hell. He denies the sovereignty of God. And Jeremiah 23, which... The entire chapter of Jeremiah 23 is, is a story of a king, Zedekiah, and Jeremiah is coming to try to warn him. And while Jeremiah is trying to warn him, the false prophets are coming saying, oh, we had a dream, and no, you don't need to worry, there's peace, don't worry. God's not going to destroy you, it's all going to be okay. And it says in Jeremiah 23, 17, they keep saying to those who despise my word, don't worry. The Lord says you'll have peace. And to those who stubbornly follow their own desires, they say, no harm will come your way. Have any of these prophets been in the Lord's presence to hear what he is really saying? Has even one of them cared enough to listen? So the next one, crazy, Marshall Applewhite. Anybody remember him? Nobody's going to admit. Oh, you do admit it. Good. <laughs> he was responsible. Whoa. He was responsible for... Uh, 39 deaths, including himself. They dressed in all black, bought a new pair of Nikes, put $5 and three quarters in their pockets, and then drank um, a mixture of phenobarbital and vodka and went to this mansion and they all laid down and died because they were waiting. They were, they were trying to leave their bodily containers to enter into the alien spacecraft Hale-Bopp, I think, passed through heaven's gate into a higher existence. So these guys are pretty obvious. These guys are nuts, right? Can I just say that? Okay, they're nuts, okay? False prophets, not really that difficult to spot that, but somehow, whatever they did, they invited followers. They got people to follow them. There are many throughout history, but 
What do you guys think that the current wave of religion is right now? What's, what's kind of the big religion? Okay. I think it's relativism, humanism, the denial of absolute truth. Your truth is, is your truth, but that's not my truth. Everyone can kind of believe what they want. We just need to be tolerant, don't we? There's no hell. There's no sin. There's no God, right? There's no afterlife. There's no morality. I mean, because what's sin to you might not be sin to me. And who says there's sin? Next time somebody tells you there's no absolute truth, ask them, is that absolutely true? (laughs) Right? It's like in philosophy. I have a degree in philosophy, and we used to say, everything I say is a lie. So if that's a true state, think about that and bring that home. (laughs) Tolerance is is the religion of today, isn't it? People have rejected God. They've rejected any kind of higher authority. They just want to be their own boss. They want to be in charge of their own life. They don't want anyone telling them that what they're doing is even questionable. Am I right? Okay. So in light of that, um, there are also Christian false prophets who, um, in Paul's parting words to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, he says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. So he's talking about believers. He's not talking about non-believers. He's talking about the flock. And even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Okay? This guy, the next guy, David Koresh, he was responsible for killing 76 people in a fire in Waco, Texas, including two pregnant women and over 20 children in 1993. I've heard it rumored that he had the entire book of Isaiah memorized. Scary, isn't it? But the fruit of his life was clearly not in line with the heart of God, not in line with the word of God, the whole counsel of God. It says in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen, these people are false prof- or false apostles. They, they are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. It's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment that their wicked deeds deserve. Okay, the next guy, he's in our own, he was in our own backyard. Remember him? The guy who kidnapped Elizabeth Smart? Okay, moving on. Next, <clears throat> Warren Jeffs. Um, yeah, this hits really close to home for us. Yeah. He said, keep sweet. He said, the prophet is the only one that can hear from Heavenly Father. The book of life is the tithing record. Perfect obedience produces perfect, perfect faith. The secret to the kingdom of heaven is in perfect obedience to the prophet. Marriage by the prophet's appointment is the only way to the celestial kingdom. I wanted to go into more of a teaching on the signs of a cult. I'm not going to have time today, but eventually I would like to do that. But, but the first and most important thing to show that it is a, a Christian cult is that they, they claim the name of Jesus, but they deny his deity. They deny that he is God in the flesh. They deny that Jesus Christ 
was with the Father at the creation that he is, you know, when it says in Genesis, let us create, it's talking Trinitarian there. It's talking Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I can get into that more later, but for right now, that's the number one sign of a cult. The number two sign of a cult is that it always has a charismatic leader who, who is far elevated above everyone else. And you can probably think of a lot of different cults that they have that, that one who's better than everyone else. You know, I've heard the saying, and you guys have probably heard it too, but the ground is level at the foot of the cross. There is only one who is to be high and lifted up. There is only one who is exalted. We have different callings. We have prophets and teachers and apostles and that kind of thing, but only one is to be exalted, and that is Jesus Christ and him alone. So more Christian false prophets. Isn't this message fun, lighthearted? Matthew 7, you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. You can, can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good, good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. So we're going to do a little quiz here today. See how much you know about horticulture. First picture, what kind of tree is this? Kenny? <laughs> Banana. Very good. What's the next one? Apple. Apple. Good. Next? Orange. Good. You guys are good. Next? Cherries. Yep. Getting a little harder to identify. Next? Avocados. Now, let's imagine that we picked all of the fruits off of all of those trees. How, how well could you identify them at that point with no fruit? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a non-horticulturalist, so I would not be able to identify any trees. As a matter of fact, when we moved to the Bay Area several years ago, we, had, we bought this house and we moved in in January, and there were all these trees, and we knew they were all fruit trees, but we had no clue what any of them were because it was winter. And it was so much fun in the spring to watch, oh my gosh, that looks like a plum. It looks like a little plum. And that, oh, that's a lemon tree. Yay, that's an orange. It was so much fun to see it. But the only way we could identify it was by the fruit. We couldn't identify it just by the leaves. I mean, maybe, you know, back then if we would have Googled it, we probably could have. But anyway, so look at the, the following pictures here. It's beautiful, luscious grapes and thorn bushes. And apparently, because you know they didn't necessarily know, people would mistake this for fruit or for something that was edible when it was, in essence, lethal to eat that. And the next one, figs and thistles. Which one do you want for lunch? Some of you are like, neither. <laughs> Okay, in Jeremiah 23, again, it says, Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you've deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out my judgment on you. He's talking to the shepherds, the false prophets, the false shepherds. Um, I will pour out judgment on you for the evil you have done to them. There is a guy that I... It, it was really disturbing. I watched some videos of him. Um, his name is Todd Bentley, and he used to be on TV. I don't know if he still is or not, but he, there's a video of him, and, and there's all these people coming up for healing, and 
He said that he kept praying for this one woman and she wasn't getting healed. And he said, well, Lord, why is she not getting healed? And he's, he said, the Lord told me that it's because I need to kick her in the face with my biker boot. So he did. So this is like his ministry. Now, I don't know about you. First of all, I don't think Jesus would have wore biker boots. No offense to bikers, but Jesus would never act like that. Could you ever imagine Jesus kicking someone in the face or punching people in the chest? I mean, this stuff is just, I don't know. I, 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 I just think anything that doesn't point us to Jesus if it points us toward them, toward their healing ministry, toward their prophecies. There were actually seven prof- several prophecies spoken over him, none of which came to pass because of moral failure. Surprise! Jeremiah 23 says, This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says to his people. Don't listen to these people when they prophesy to you, filling you with futile hopes. They are making up everything they say. They do not speak for the Lord. Now I might step on some toes here. Okay, you ready? Tell your neighbor, fasten your seatbelt. She's going to preach. Any gospel that tells you that if you're suffering, it's your fault, that if you're not rich, it's because you didn't pray hard enough or give enough, or if you haven't gotten healed, it's because you don't have enough faith, these are all false doctrines. Because the Bible tells us clearly that we are to rejoice in our sufferings. It says, because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. It's, it says, it has been granted unto me for Christ's sake, not only to know him, but to suffer for his sake. Jesus himself, again, said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. In this world, we are going to suffer. So any doctrine that says, if you don't give enough or you don't pray enough or you don't have enough faith and that's why your life is terrible right now or that's why you're struggling, it's all your fault. False doctrine. I'm sorry, that is false doctrine. And if this is your best life now, can I just say this? You're probably going to hell. Because if this is as good as it gets this is your best life now? In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus says he'll be with us. He will walk with us. He is near to the brokenhearted. But you know what? If it's all contingent upon if I obey enough or have faith enough or give enough or whatever, then why did my husband die? Is that my fault? You see what I'm saying? If you want to take it to its logical conclusion, it just does not make sense. And TBN has a lot of teachers. They claim to be Christians. They use some Bible verses. But at the root of it, it is not the gospel of Jesus Christ because it doesn't lead you to complete 100% dependence on Jesus and what he did on the cross. Okay? You guys mad at me? I don't care anyway, so. (laughs) If it says believers should never suffer, false, okay? There was a a group down in Utah County for a while, and they were speaking against the church, not just this church, I mean, the body of Christ. They were speaking against the mainstream church, saying that, that 
they had the truth, they had the way, and that you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And that you don't have to believe what those pastors have said. They were the ones that had the only true way. Beware. Anybody that speaks against the body of Christ, again, it's like if you would start getting down on somebody's bride. You think the groom would be very happy about that? You think he would stand for that? When I first became a Christian, um, I didn't know anything. I mean, literally, I didn't know anything about the Bible. Excuse me. And as a matter of fact, when I'd read the Bible, I would think, oh, they did these things in the Bible, and wow, that doesn't seem right, but well, it's in the Bible, so that must be the the way it's supposed to be. So like there's some stuff in the Bible, you're like, oh, they should not have done that, you know? But I just, because I was so naive and I didn't understand it, like the story of Tamar, look it up later, but (laughs) there's some stuff in the Bible that, and it says in the New Testament that these things were, were given to us so that we could learn from them. These are examples. So the sin and the stuff that they did in the Old Testament, we're supposed to learn from that so we avoid it, right? Well, anyway, so that's, kind of the condition of my life at the time. I just didn't know anything, but I worked at this Christian bookstore called Berean, and there were a lot of crazy people that walked through that place. Well, there was one guy named Evangelos. Remember Evangelos? The guy would come in dressed like in these Greek Orthodox robes and I'm not, I don't know if he was Greek Orthodox, but he was like, he looked the part. And he would come in and he would just do all these really weird things. And one day, here I am, like I'm, I'm like in my early 20s. And he's like, the Lord has told me you are supposed to travel around the world and preach the gospel everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm sure God told you that, Evangelos. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Think about what a lech would do that to this poor young girl that doesn't really know anything about the Bible, and he's going to be my teacher. He's going to be my discipler. So it says in, I didn't go, by the way. <laughs> Jeremiah 23, 32. I'm against these false prophets. In their imaginary dreams are, fra- are flagrant lies that lead my people into sin. I did not send or appoint them, and they have no message at all for my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. There was a guy in California. Are there children in here? I have to be careful. Okay, there was a guy in California when I first became a Christian. He used to find out girls in the church that had been molested as children, and he would pray over them and molest them in order to break the curse of sin over their lives. There is a special place in hell. I'm serious. I had, uh, I've had several people come to me and tell me that the Lord spoke to them that they were supposed to be the pastors of this church. So the jury's out on that. Um, <laughs> Deuteronomy 18 says, If a prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen nor come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. The prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. Okay, you get this? What is this saying essentially? Somebody predicts something, they say, the Lord told me this and it doesn't come to pass. That person is not a true prophet of God. Back in the 1800s, there was a young man who prophesied several things. He prophesied that Jesus Christ would return 
before 1891. He prophesied there would be a temple built in Missouri in his generation. He prophesied that the United States government would be overthrown in his lifetime. He prophesied that Congress would be broken up as a government. This is all documented. He prophesied that all nations would be involved in an American civil war. None of these things happened. And we live in an area where people are believing that this man is a true prophet. And I say this, I, I do not want to offend anyone. I don't want to bash anyone. But we are talking about eternity. We are talking about life and death. And we have got to be honest with people. And we have got to be bold with people. Because Jesus Christ either created everything, including Satan, or he was his brother. Can't be both. And either Jesus Christ is a guy who worked his way up to exaltation and became good, which would imply that he had probably sinned, right? Rather than the perfect, spotless lamb who was slain for our sins. He can't be both. And I'm, I'm you know, those of you who come here frequently, you know that I, I rarely talk about this. I just think the Bible speaks for itself, but I have to say it. We have got to be bold with our family and friends. We've got to be nice. We've got to be kind. We've got to be gracious. We've got to know the word of God. But we are living in a mission field where people are believing that they can earn their way to heaven. That they can be good enough someday. That maybe if they do enough, they can make it to heaven. I'm sorry, that goes contrary to everything that it teaches in the New Testament. It's contrary to everything Jesus came to do on the cross. The good news or gospel, is that Jesus Christ was the incarnate God, came to the earth, became a human being, lived a perfect life, and went to the cross for our sins so that we could be reconciled with God, with our maker, so that every one of our sins, past, present, and future, could be wiped out by his blood that was shed on the cross. And there is more evidence that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead than any other historical fact. Jesus Christ died for our sins so that we can be reconciled to God. Any fruit from any ministry that is anything other than that is a false doctrine. The Bible talks about doctrines taught by demons. And it says in Galatians 1.6, you are following a different way that pretends to be the gospel or the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news or a different gospel than the one we preach to you. I say again, we, as we have said before, If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, the one Paul preached, let that person be cursed. 
we, we have a job to do. And that's to be honest with people, to be loving and to tell people the truth that you don't have to strive anymore. Cease striving and know that I am God, that you can be forgiven of your sins, that Jesus Christ paid the penalty. It doesn't mean that we don't serve. It doesn't mean that we don't respond to God, but we're not saved by our works. We're saved by his, by what he did on the cross. And that is it. If a prophet comes to you saying anything else, test the fruit of it and see. Because prophets must be 100% correct. And if you're not sure, if you're having a sense, okay, here's the thing. I still believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to us today. I still believe that we can receive prophetic words like it talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. It talks about that. I believe the Holy Spirit still ministers through us. And, And my pastor Daniel Brown will be here next week. Again, if you're debating between man camp and Daniel Brown, go to man camp. You can't relive that experience. But if you're not, if, if you're female <laughs> or if you're a man who is not going, please try to make it to this because Daniel will explain there is such a thing as prophecy. There is such a thing as word of wisdom and word of knowledge and tongues and interpretation and healing and all of these things. And I truly believe that the Holy Spirit still uses these gifts today. They are for today. And so, therefore, when Jesus says in Matthew 7, 20, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So to imply that there are false prophets means there are true prophets. Now, this doesn't mean like somebody's a prophet and somebody's not a prophet. Or, you know, I'm saying people operate in the gift of prophecy. Prophet just means someone who comes telling the truth. Okay? So I don't think that there are like these special assignments. Remember the ground is level at the foot of the cross. A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Whatever we know about God, and we have been given the responsibility as believers to carry the light and to, and to bring the truth and to bring good news into people's lives. And the, tru- the two tests for any fruit of any ministry or any prophet or proclaimed prophet, do they preach the same gospel that Paul preached? That Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid the penalty for your sins so you can have eternal life. And not only eternal life, but abundant life. Or does this ministry preach anything else? Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus plus my works. Jesus plus somebody's teaching. Jesus plus some action you have to do. Jesus plus you have to give a certain amount of money. Jesus plus anything that you try to add to Jesus is not the gospel that Paul preached. Okay? Prophecy. Propheteia, the gift of communicating and enforcing revealed truth. If anybody says they have a revelation from God and it's counter to what the Bible says, false prophet. I'll give you an example. I have to be discreet. Um, Years ago, we had 
a guy sitting in the back row there. And at the end of our worship, he stood up and gave a prophecy stating that the angels were going to come down from heaven and have relations with humans. Any red flags going up? <laughs> okay. So my husband, he was, he was very gracious and diplomatic and he got up and basically said, oh, that is wacky. And so the, the guy had already left or whatever, but beware, beware of people come speaking in the name of God. But I mean, that's an extreme case. People can come speaking in the name of God and it's not extreme. It's subtle. Remember, these are secret and destructive heresies. Beware. This is a commandment for everybody who claims to be a disciple of Jesus. Beware of false prophets. Jeremiah 23 says, if they had stood before me and listened to me, if they would have spoken my words, they would have turned people from their evil ways and deeds and let these false prophets tell their dreams, but let my true messengers faithfully proclaim every word. There's a difference between straw and grain. Does not my word burn like fire, says the Lord? Is not the mighty hammer that smashes a rock to pieces? You know, God's word, either it will crush you or you will be crushed by it. Either, either you'll allow the Lord to break you and to, and to bring you to the end of yourself so that you can be complete and full in him. Coming to the end of yourself simply means I need a savior. I cannot save myself. I can't get set free from sin. I can't live right. I can't do right. I can't do enough. I surrender. Just like that song we sing. I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I surrender all. You have to lose your life in order to find it. And any gospel and anything that tells you that you don't is not from the Lord. It's not from the word of God. It says, let these false prophets tell their dreams. Let my true messengers faithfully proclaim my every word. There is a difference. And it calls us, it calls those of us who are shepherds. In 1 Peter 5, it says, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. You know, it says that in the last times there'll be signs and wonders. There'll be all kinds of signs and wonders. And it says that a wicked and perverse generation seeks a sign. A wicked and perverse generation seeks some evidence in that way. But what about if you never hear God's voice? You're never sure? What about if you suffer? What about if you're, if you're sick? What about if, if tragedy befalls you? Are you just going to go, nope, I don't believe in God now? Or are you going to believe that God knows more than us? 
that he is the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. It means he knows everything, he has all power, and he can be everywhere at once. Do you believe that God is good and that God knows everything? Or do you believe your emotions? Do you believe your heart? What your heart tells you? You know, the Bible says our hearts are deceitful above all things. Who could know it? But the good news is he came to set us free. That he came to have a relationship with us. He came to be with us. He paid the price so that we could be free. And that is why we serve him. Because we want to respond with our lives. Amen? Anything other than that gospel is not from the Lord. Okay? I want to bring a challenge, and, and I've agonized over this because my heart breaks for people who are striving to earn God's love. And I will give the challenge that if anyone can prove to me that the LDS faith is true by using only these four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you can prove to me LDS doctrine using those four books, I will become a Mormon. Okay? If anybody here has any questions, if I've offended you, if I've stepped on your toes, if I've done anything... I want to take you out for lunch, (laughs) okay? I want to have a conversation human being to human being. Because you guys, I weep over this state, over this city. My heart breaks. I go to funerals. And I'm so broken. But we serve a God of hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Amen? Can you stand, please? Can you just lift your hands up as a sign you want to receive everything God has for you? Father... Lord, I, I am so, God, I'm so humbled by you. Lord, and I am so grateful that you are good, and I'm so grateful that you gave us your word, Lord, which has been correctly translated, Lord. There's so much evidence, Lord, that your word is intact. You even said that your word would remain, that your word would last forever flowers of the field are going to disappear but your word is going to remain. Thank you Lord that you've given us your word that we can go to your word instead of our own emotions or instead of other people's opinions instead of anything else Lord but we can understand and know you and that you speak to us. I just pray Lord right now Father if I've said anything that has dishonored your name God I, I truly ask for forgiveness. I pray that your name would be lifted up, Lord. I pray for the seed of truth to go deep into people's hearts. Ask that you'd pour out your spirit. 
Pour out your spirit of revelation and wisdom and knowledge in this place, God. I pray for a boldness, Lord, that we would not shrink back, that we would not be afraid to tell our friends and our family and our coworkers the truth, the true gospel, that you love us, that you sent your only son to die for us so that we can live with you forever and that you sent us your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into all truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If everybody could just keep your eyes closed. If there's anybody here and the message that you heard today, either you've never heard it before or you've never understood it, or you've never responded to it, the message that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sins. He went to the cross and died so that you could live. If you've never heard this message, I just want to ask you, just slip up your hand and I want to pray with you. I want to have you pray with, pray with the person that you came with. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Lord, thank you for the message of the gospel. Thank you for the good news, Jesus. Make us bold, Lord, for your name's sake. Help us to be kind, but help us to be honest, Lord. Help us to be honest, but help us to be kind. In Jesus' name, and we love you, Lord. Amen.